I have a rock alarm clock on my phone. Oh, and that, great. that's what gets me up every morning. What's he say? I'll show you. Beep, 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 beep. I can do this all morning. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it him? Oh, yeah, so, it's him. Uh, that is so tight. <laughs> got some records on, some bottles of wine on a stormy night, the rain is lashing down, and I'm waiting for her. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name's David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Is Andrew McDonald out there? Good morning. Is Nathan Harrison out there? Good morning. Is Adam Bunchen out there? Good morning. Yeah. I got a longer a- one. <laughs> Do you need a man? What? <laughs> He's forgotten. <laughs> he, he doesn't even know the song. <gasps> Fucking poser. Huh? Name three of their albums. What? I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> I the episode's s- just begun. I hate you so much. Why? Probably wondering how we got here. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's me. Adam is. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a long day, people. (laughs) Thankfully, we have some good music to get us through. Well, we kick off at number 85 with Ash, the song Golfing. Huh? In the 1996 Hottest 100, that song is called Goldfinger, and the man with the golden touch, Mr. Adam Buncher, is going to be talking shop about Ash. Ash. They were a band that were big as kind of like a teenage rock group. They're one of those kind of guys. Yeah. And like all teenage rock groups, they have a fantastic story for how they got their name. They literally opened up a dictionary and found the first short word they liked. Stop doing that, everybody. (laughs) Who else does that? I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to guarantee that I open up this copy of Mixed Down Monthly and find a better band name than Ash. I'll open it on a random page, MIDI or the musical. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah. What style of music do they play? I'm going to assume like prog metal. 
that sounds fair. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. Can't all be singers. <laughs> well, uh, now you could find another phrase that's your. Uh, that's probably your, all got like barcode album. tattoos on the back of their neck and oh, shit. God. So the first album, oh, Purple Moon Vintage. Hey, <laughs> you are so pragmatic. Purple Moon, Purple Moon. Yeah. Jesus, you're supporting like Pain of Salvation on the upcoming <laughs> tour. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> You're going to hate that. Yeah. I will. All right, so that's that's these guys. Um, however, prior to that, and you can totally tell with the sound of their music, they were an Iron Maiden cover band called Vietnam. Yeah, baby. Oh, my God. None of that makes sense to me. Not like, any of that. Why, if you're an Iron Maiden cover band, would you call yourselves Vietnam? Vietnam doesn't... Does that... Am I missing an Iron Maiden thing in there? No. Maybe. No. No. Hang on, I'm going to Google Iron Maiden Vietnam and see what I come up with. Probably Ash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, now, these guys are also from Northern Ireland, which is very important because they got lumped in with Britpop quite a bit. And being Irish, they weren't so keen on that because Britpop was such a... You know, main, English. Yeah, it's, it's an English it's, thing. It's a London so, thing. It's a British like, thing. Academically speaking, I think these guys are really an interesting band to look at in terms of sound for this period of time because we've kind of been through grunge and we've been through Britpop and we've ended up with this band influenced by both and sounding not quite like either. But mm. I think there are elements of both of those in there. Which is cool because, you know, like, normally you wouldn't get that at any other time apart from now because it was so territorial and there was that whole, you know, you can't be both. You you can't have both. nos dos. Because you can't. <laughs> like, it's interesting, at least. There are some other interesting things about the song. I kind of like the fact that it, to me, sounds like it's on the verge of falling apart <laughs> the whole time. Maybe because these guys were, you know, a teenage band and they were they're good at playing their instruments and lucked out on it sounding <laughs> semi-palatable. But, it, like, I, I do kind of enjoy the tension that it creates within the listener that something is not quite right within the the form of the song. It, it is a tad bit repetitive for that, which kind of lessens the extent of that to somewhat, maybe with a few more bits in there, who's to say? But I think, like, it's interesting songwriting, and I think songwriting that is, you know, probably a little bit more complicated than you'd expect a teen band to from high school to kind of be able to, to bust out. I don't hate it. I don't love it, necessarily, but it's catchy enough and interesting enough and enough to stand out a little bit as a kind of an alternative rock track influenced by both Britpop and grunge. Yeah, definitely, you know, it's got that Britpop tone and that real sort of post-grunge sense of dynamics. Um, I got to a very similar place, I think, as you. I just think the soft lines are a bit overdone as a device they keep going back to again. Keep going back to it. It's just like, you could do that a couple of times and it's all right, but like when the verse has a bit that makes it sound like the song is stopping or whatever. It's just, like, shaking up a bit. It's pretty, like, hard to get into a groove with the song, which is okay. Not all songs have to be groovy down by the water. But it just makes the emotion feel a bit too affected and forced, I think. Kind of, I get what you mean. And especially, like, I don't know, I kind of tried. I didn't try that hard, but I was like, I don't even know what this song's about, really. Like, something happened, I guess, to this girl. But then all this. I don't re- think it matters. The repeated that- lines about her brother starting school. It just kind of by the end of it, it was like this feels like it's just constructed to sound like an emotional song, and I yeah. don't know what I'm meant to be getting from it. Like it's it's not awful, but no, I just I- don't get anything from it. The guitar tone, like your early verve and blur, mm. when they were kind of more shoegazy, it took that tone, but then channeled it into like classic Britpop aesthetic kind of thing. It's good enough. It's like a vintage six out of ten when its competitors were like eights and nines yeah but that's all relative for someone like me who views the genre with like a seven as a roof <laughs> so it's hard ceiling yeah, hard ceiling 
But yeah. I kind of like the disaffected tone that it still manages to get across, and that's very much connected to what was going on musically. We've seen it in so many tracks in previous countdowns. and even Yeah, this, but that's like, the thing. I feel like other people have done it better and moved on sure. in the two years leading up to this moment. That maybe counts as a strength for it in terms of this countdown because a lot of fans maybe haven't moved on from that sound. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, jeez. It, it, it does take... Sometimes it takes a fan base a while to move on from a sound and sometimes bands do it a lot faster than them. And I, I could totally believe that people who still wanted more of that sound were the ones who kind of voted this in. Oh, I'm sure it wasn't a vote for the bear. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> I'm sure it was a V for the S. Very Oh my strong. god, Vietnam are writing original music now. <laughs> Hi, me again. Uh, two things. Iron Maiden have a song about the Vietnam War called The Edge of Darkness. That, that seems like a later that's cut. That's pretty tenuous though, right? Yeah, I don't know. That's literally... I'm going to name my cover band about the subject of a song <laughs> that isn't the title of that song. That's all I got. That's all yeah, I yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, band names are, you know, I typed by in and large, made, terrible. I typed so. in Iron Maiden Vietnam and that's what I got. Thanks for delivering. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Anytime, man. babe. Yeah. Love you. I, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. Now you love me now. Me love back. me or hate me, it's still an obsession. And we back. <laughs> and we back and we back. Now, secondly, I'm kind of amazed that no one in this room actually knew Ash going into this record. Because, oh. like, it was always in the back of my mind that, like, Ash are, like, a really well-known band that are especially popular here in Australia. Oh, yeah. okay. So this is from a record called 1977. Yes. Um, which... The year that Star Wars came out. Yay! Also, some of the band members were born in that year, but... Star Wars. Names are hard, aren't they? Aren't they, Ash? <laughs> all right, Nathan. <laughs> Jesus. Can't all be media the musical. Yeah. <laughs> Can't all be Purple Moon Vintage. Yeah, we already got the episode title. That's in the bag, baby. Yeah, so this record is like one of the most popular alt-rock records of the 90s. Like, there were some massive, like, staples of this record. Girl from Mars is like a, a really, really well-known song. Oh, yeah. And Kung Fu. Massive singles as well. This did really, really well for them. And it's just one of those archival, like, nostalgia-ridden kind of records. They played it in its entirety for its 15-year anniversary, I believe. And, um, yeah, like, all the shows sold out and, like... Yeah, like people have like a really solid nostalgic attachment to this to this band and to this record. We're all kind of out of that demo, and the only reason I know it is because I'm a sad fat music nerd. But it was still kind of weird to me where I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, of course we're talking about Ash. You know, it's like the mid '90s. You know, they were super popular, and now everyone here is just like, <laughs> yeah, like I was genuinely kind of taken aback, like kind of genuinely surprised that. A, no one knew who Ash were, and B, not much of a response to this song. Like, I love this song. I love this record. Maybe I love it more because I have it in the context of the record. Like, mm. the second it kicked in, like, I was immediately taken back to listening to this record heaps, particularly around the time that they toured, and I saw them at the Metro. I think this is, like, a, a really clever, catchy pop song. We were talking uh, off mic about Just by Radiohead kind of incorporating as many fucking chords as humanly possible and i don't know like i i kind of get that with this song you know like it kind of moves around the home key a fair bit you know it goes to relative majors and relative minors like uh on a fairly frequent basis and it kind of travels around its key areas a fair bit and i i dig that you know like there's a lot going on here in terms of the songwriting purely 
in the context of like them being barely out of high school when this was starting off, you know what I mean? It's the same way that I kind of apply the goggles to Frog Stomp, mm. you know, like yeah. having them in the yeah, mind cool. as, as, as them being kids, you know, just fucking rocking out and like idolizing their heroes and shit. I so. would get really, really friggin' mad if someone was just like, oh, but Frog Stomp's just like, you know, it's just grunge. Yeah, Nirvana in pajamas I, as I, they were called. I would, get, I, I'd get, I would <laughs> get really mad at that opinion. So maybe like, based on that, not wanting to be like a mad hypocrite, we're going to scratch it up my love for ashes to a few notches on that. You don't have to. Like, no, I, but I, I'm not. Does, your, I'm not your dad. No, but I. But I. I think reflecting back, like a, you know, yeah, you, you're kind of right on that one, man. Obviously, the people that don't like the song aren't gonna like the rest of the record. But if you found <laughs> any semblance of interest in this, then I strongly recommend uh, the album 1977. Interesting kind of reality check for me that <laughs> not everyone knows all the weird, obscure shit that a fat music nerd does. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> At number 84, this is UMI with Good Morning. Number 84 in the 1996 Hottest 100 with a song called Good Morning. Good Morning. No, not Good Morning. Good Morning. Good Morning. Thank you very much. You're welcome. you got to drop that G. This comes from an album called Hourly Daily. Story time. I am 15, maybe 16 years old, and I am working at Triple UFM Community Radio Station on the south coast of New South Wales. Shouts out to Nowra. Shouts out to Nowra. As I'm working there and I'm doing my uh, Friday afternoon radio show called Alternative Advocate, I am going through the Triple U library looking for music to play. I come across two records that I knew the names of and had heard a lot of my favorite musicians talking about, and I decided to take them into my life and see where they would take me. Those albums were Alley Daily by UMI and Relationship of Command by At The Drive-In. Oh. Yes. Sure. UMI's Alley Daily changed my life. It gave me a real sense of what a pub rock band could do if they put their mind to something loosely conceptual that also had a much further emotional depth than the the usual like rock and roll swagger of your Berlin chairs. I'll do all my heads to 
your jewels and bullets, etc. Not that those songs were bad. Obviously, those songs are fucking incredible. But when you listen to Hourly Daily start to finish, you get a real sense of Tim Rogers as a songwriter and as the songwriter that he would become. To me, for everything that came after this, including classics like, you know, the number four record and uh, his debut solo album, What Rhymes With Carls and Girls, this is peak Tim Rogers. This is what he has been building up to ever since he was a Kinks and Aerosmith uh, hard-ons who obsessed rock and roll kid doing his Pete Townsend swings and just trying to make some noise, trying to get heard. He has so much depth and so much emotion in his songwriting. There's such a craft to what is going on in Hourly Daily. It is a peek into suburbia, particularly in in Sydney. You know, he'd referenced Sydney before, you know, with Glee Point Bridge and stuff like that. Mm. Um, But uh, when you're in Sydney, you know, you kind of, you get that sense of, I don't know, feeling connected to these songs. I I know people that have listened to this record, you know, since it came out and it still factors into their lives when they think about going to like the town hall steps or getting the bus to Circular Key or something like that. When you and I did the Daily Double Tour, uh, in 2014, where they played Hi-Fi Way and Hourly Daily. It was at the Enmore Theatre, and Tim told everyone, like, just before they ended with Who Takes Who Home, obviously, this whole album was written in this fucking town, and it got one of the biggest cheers of the night. This is obviously the start of the record. Uh, we've had kind of the overture with the title track. It's kind of like a musical where, you know, it opens with the... With the title song. So that's kind of at the crack of dawn. And then you wake up and you're straight into it. And, you know, talks about, you know, the kind of connection with Breakfast Radio. And, like, obviously, like, (laughs) it's weird to talk about a big swinging simple rock song within the confines of a concept album. But I think that's why I love this song. The fact that it works within and without of its context. If you're just listening to this song, it's just a fucking catchy, who and kinksy, jangly pop song. But within the record, it's the start of the day. You know, it takes you through the day right to the very end of the night, which is who takes who home. So, like, the fact that it works in both contexts is is really, really cool to me. And it's just a great song. It's super catchy. It's super energetic. Uh, Rusty Hopkinson with those beautiful double tom hits and the massive snare rolls like I've gotten to watch him play that film so so many times and every time I do I'm just like how do you do it Rusty you're a fucking king <laughs> um, everyone in this band's a fucking king but yeah like I, I just love this song the f- for the fact that it just sets me off man it just get, it gets the mood right and I can't be unhappy listening to this song I can't, I've definitely been very unhappy listening to this album and it's kind of got me out of a funk or an existential groove, man. Obviously, there's so many songs on, on here with the fucking feels. Um, you know, like fucking Please Don't Ask Me To Smile and shit like that. But this song in particular, I can't be in a bad mood. I love this song. I love this album. I love this band. I wish I could be more eloquent, but like all I've got is my nostalgia Two goggles. ears and a heart. Two ears and a heart. <laughs> And a big fucking prayer hands fucking tattoo on my chest, <laughs> style. I think what makes UMI so spectacular is the fact that they do strike that thing which is inarticulatable. Because on paper, this is very straightforward, white guy rock and roll kind of thing like that. But there's a particular hourly daily, the way that Tim Rogers has such compassion for the characters that he writes about, yeah. be that yeah. himself mm. or indeed not himself in other circumstances on the record. It's just he has this such a humane, humanist touch in his songwriting. And like there's this quote he says about 
about this song. Often I wake up depressed, as people do, and I found it really comforting. I could see how you could get attached to it instead of waking up with somebody beside you talking about radio in the mid-90s. And whilst we're all recording our podcast, kind of a modern thing about radio in an established, legacy, brilliant radio station in Sydney, it's easy for us to wax nostalgic about the importance of radio. But to a certain degree, that is absolutely true. These moments of having somebody feel like you're connecting with their lives and being a, a companion when you're alone and lonely, telling you what's out there and is anybody out there? Like there's these questions that strike yeah. you as someone like in the, particularly in the mid-90s with like that kind of ennui of Sydney living. But like this external to that kind of easy to overanalyze nature of loneliness in music kind of thing like that. This is an absolutely terrific piece of pop rock. It's so, so accessible, yeah. so groovy, so impossible to not sing along to. <laughs> Tim's voice is in fine form. The band are having a ball. This is this is a great song. Yeah. And I think getting back to what you were saying about the breakfast radio thing and connecting that to what Deej was saying about this being about Sydney is that like talkback radio is such a, it's such a, it's not a uniquely Sydney thing, but it's a definitive Sydney thing. Like it's yeah. a, Sydney is really the epicenter in Australia for, for that kind of radio scene. And if not in the world, like Nathan, you were talking about going over overseas yeah. and, you know, like you're saying in Britain, there's not that kind of talkback radio thing as we understand Certainly it, like but, that kind of conservative talkback. It's just not a thing over there. Yeah. Like we talk about, you know, we sort of brought it up and people were like oh okay so i think that feeds into again like this being an album about sydney and the thing that i love and it appears in this song and it also appears in the other songs uh from this album is somehow miraculously he manages to not only capture that love and compassion but also balance it simultaneously with a frustration Mm. which is such a telling thing when you're writing about the place that you live because that to me is the tension that you always have is you you love the place and you're frustrated by it at the same time because it's the place that you happen to be in and you can't be everywhere at once. So it's super wonderful that that comes in. And the thing that we've also talked about in relation to UMI is how amazing it is to be listening to Triple J at this time and witnessing their rise. And to me, this is such a huge step up. You hear this song and how bright and technicolor and vibrant and essential that it sounds, even in comparison to their other songs, which don't sound bad at all. But to me, it's just a huge shift. Mm. They sound like a completely reinvented, revitalized band as soon as this track kicks in. Even the fact that they're playing with concepts, they're playing with more stuff. There's just a step up in the songwriting, a step up in the production. You and Mai's here and it's awesome. Yeah, I remember when I was 15, I went to Wollongong Library and I borrowed a CD by a band that I'd heard about and not listened to. UMI, it was um, The Cream and the Croc. It was their... Oh, their greatest hits. Their greatest hits. And this was probably the first song that like clicked with me. I think it works better in the context of the album just because I get a little there's just more going around it or whatever but even so like the way you talk about you know your relationship with where you live is a balance of love and frustration I think that's the same thing with I guess like domestic routine yeah like waking up with a radio station it's comforting but it's also stagnant Uh um and I get that a lot from the song as well I think there's a pathos that comes out of interrogating this domesticity yeah and the whole album does that very well and this song particularly because it's that morning routine thing it's just yeah it's a great song that i love how playful tim is and charming and it's just it's just a joy to listen to uh we've picked it up a couple times before but um, uh, our friend ah kaylee's piece on hourly daily and hi-fi way is probably my favorite piece of writing about music your mate yeah, my mate. I'm we'll, glad. We'll keep a link to that. Yeah, yeah. About, uh, UMI is the longest mm. love affair I've ever had. It's yeah. a terrific piece of writing. We have promised, so we'll deliver on that. Like anybody's got to fucking hate that song. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
my alarm clock won't turn off. Um, fuck, what am I going to do? Well, I guess I'm going to have to keep with this sleeping theme. Oh, dear me. All right, this is the Hoodoo Gurus at number 83 with Waking Up Tired. Once again, good thing we're not talking about conspiracies this season. Nope. There's some links. There's some links. Stop it. Oh, the nights are long and I'm so tired of waking up tired. Man, they just drag on and on and I'm so tired of waking up tired. The company I'm keeping won't let me get my sleep in. Waking up tired The morning sun is getting way too bright And I'm so tired of waking up tired If I was worth a fortune I'd never leave my bedroom I just wanna stay right here Safe and sound Oh, I have to go, but I'm Waking up tired The lights are on but there is no one home Cause I'm so wired From waking up tired I need a month of Sundays To help me cope with Mondays I just wanna stay right here Is it number 83 with Waking Up Tired? Oh, God, you got me. <laughs> Yawning. All right. Um, we're going to throw it to our resident Hoodoo Gurus expert, Nathan Harrison. Well, we've only talked about Hoodoo Gurus once before. Um, what song was that? It was a song called The Right Time. It was, I believe, 1993. Oh, yeah. Mm. Wow. That was years There's ago. There's no time <laughs> like the right time. I'm sure wow. a bunch of will put in the riff there. No time like the right time. Sure, bunch of will. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dave Faulkner is a great songwriter. I really love his voice. I think the way he he sings and writes songs that are a sort of range between pop and a, a bit of a dirtier pub rock is really lovely, and he fits that in a way that is like a little bit unique. I also think that songs like this recall for me Hunters and Collectors, but with much less uh, innovation in the music. It's much more down the center, which is fine or whatever. I didn't love this song when I first listened to it. Like, it's not offensive, but I just found it a bit, it's just doing one thing and that's not a terribly exciting thing. I never think much of a song where I can pick the rhyme before it comes up. <laughs> I think that, like, if I can ever yeah. do that, I'm like, you should, like, I shouldn't be able to. <laughs> I don't think it's bad. Or maybe it is. I don't know. But, like, you know, when it's, like, the company I'm keeping... Uh, and I'm like stopping me from sleep. Like I know that line is coming. <laughs> he was like, I could say there was a cancelled train, but I won't try it. And it's like they obviously won't buy it. Like that's like I think if you can do that, it's like I don't know. I don't know what that is, but it's it's probably not great. But the more I listened to it, and I ended up going back to it quite a lot, the more I don't really care about all that stuff, and I just get wrapped up in the charm and the fun of the song. So charming. It's just it's uh, so charming. How much I love this song is not in line with how good the song is. Critically, I love it it's way nothing more. special, and if anything, it's a bit less than average. But I just think it's super fun, and I like singing along with Dave Faulkner, and I just have a nice time listening to this song and and the charm, and and I guess that's enough. 
I was really lukewarm on the Hoodoo Gurus when we talked about them in 93, with the 93 countdown. Um, I literally don't remember that <laughs> at all. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing I was lukewarm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, and I've always kind of been a bit lukewarm on the Hoodoo Gurus. But I recently, Dave Faulkner, I, I got to meet him. And nice. I heard him play live. And he's a charming, charming dude. Of and his voice is. is friggin' immaculate live. And having had that experience and then going back to listening to this song, it's just kind of like the charm of Faulkner came through the recorded track and got me. And from there, it was just kind of like, I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm just charmed. I want to hear this on the radio. Like, of course, I, you yeah. know, if this comes on, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, and and just, when it's in the countdown, I'm like, yeah, nice, but. I, I don't think say, Andrew liked it as much. I did not. Um, <laughs> I think it's really. I don't think he likes the Hoodoo Gurus. I think it's really easy to love the Hoodoo Gurus. Actually, there's a lot of charm in that band. They're a fun band and they're cool guys. And like again, like they're just they're, there's a lot there's a lot of reasons to get behind them. But this song to me was just like a little bit too like normy generic white dude. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I don't like mornings. I don't like waking up <laughs> and nursing the hangover before work on the oh, train either. Mondays, am but, I right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bit too ordinary. There's nothing egregious about the songwriting, but you're like, I'm surprised it's here because it's so ordinary. Like, they have better songs. Yeah. But they and didn't it, have better songs in, in the mid-90s. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think, and it was for me, I think it's a grower. I think, like, mm. it's, it's really nothing special, but, but the more you listen to it, the more you're like, you know what? It's charming. Yeah, it's utterly unpretentious and unprofound. There, there is definitely but- a, anytime an artist sings a song that is in any way related to working nine to five, you're like, really, you know, maybe you don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah shut up, Dolly. Working nine to five. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, to more accurately, it's been done. Dolly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's weird to be talking about Hoodoo Gurus in the context of the nineties because, you know, they're very, very past their heyday at this point, you know. Like, Eighty seven. Yeah, That's, yeah. That was their year. Yeah, that was the shit. So, like, they're getting towards the end of their initial first run here. I think they split up maybe two years later, thereabouts, about 18 months, two years later. And, uh, I don't know, maybe he just literally gotten to that point where it's just like, fuck, what, what, left, what is there left to write about? Well, I just got out of bed. There's a guitar here. Ah, oh, fuck, I don't even need to get out of bed. We can film the music video here. I, <laughs> I like the music video. I think it's... It's, it's so it, tacky. Yeah. I, you don't think Hoodoo Gurus are, like, a knowingly daggy band? Like, oh, 100% they are. But they, I think it, the video is very... They won an award for that. And it's like, yeah, look. Did they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. award? That's so I, much Some hard, video, man. music the, video the award. The annual stinker award. Oh, bam, bam, bam. No, it's all right. It made me want pizza. It's like, bad. Oh, at one point, there's a Domino's guy yeah. and it's explicitly Domino's. So, <laughs> yeah, it really uh, is. So, and he comes in and like hands a pizza and they're like, no, 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 no. And there's like, goes no, no, Domino's beds. sucks. Yeah. 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 There's one guy who we ordered pizza Domino's. haven. For your pizza haven, call the pizza haven tonight. Deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> deep dish, deep cut. Yes. Mm. Not as good a rap duo name as Deep That can be their cut. album. <laughs> yeah. Deep dish. Deep pan. That's when they do their diss tracks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deep pan. Yeah. Fucking Bellissimo, boys. <laughs> I love it. That's a moro. Mm. That's a mumburn. <laughs> oh. A mumburn could also be like when she just stuffs up dinner. I just realised. <laughs> oh, shit. Burnt dinner. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, a- I- I'm really sorry. It might be a bit crisp around the edges. That's a mumburn. <laughs> <laughs> Mum's crying in the kitchen, eating the old mac and cheese. <laughs> well, I like it. <laughs> but yeah, this was fine. It's very simple. It's very cute. It just is bizarre to have this in the countdown. V for the B. 110%. This is their hail season. 
No, I think this is a, I think this is a fun radio song. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's fun. Awaken up time. That's the. That's I think good. we all nice. know what that was. Yeah, <laughs> it was a cockatoo, right? <laughs> when you say V for the B, it's a vote for the bird. <laughs> Gurus, smash chinnies, you beaut. You all right? Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah, nah yeah. yeah, nah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Sorry, I'm not, yeah. You're no, no. You're, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah, yeah. No, yeah, nah. In number 82, this is Luscious Jackson with Naked Eye. Jackson, Naked Eye, 82, 1996, Andrew McDonald. This to me is kind of representative of like the overzealous label owners of the like the media. <laughs> They're going to be a strike. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Walking around their fucking sure. massive yeah. offices yeah. and taking We're off their jacket. Hit, you can sure. see their suspenders. Got the suspenders on. They got like, the suspenders yeah. on. Bobby um, Sharp from Sharp Records. We're going to get in the hottest hundred, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like that, like those, oh, those, act, those. Let's give it up for our boys in blue. <laughs> our brave label owners <laughs> pushing music forward. We salute you. These label owners will take anything. <laughs> These fucking with, label owners. <laughs> take anything with right a in the hat. I'm sorry. What have I done? <laughs> Soft reset. <laughs> oh Dios mio. Okay, where were we? The label owners of the mid to late 90s were happy to take anything like with a vaguely alt-rock feeling and like a beat-driven tune and some pretty cool vocals because to Luscious Jackson's credit, they, they have all of those things, but like I feel like I have heard this song before despite never having heard it. That's it. Hey, it's, it's ripped straight from the DNA of 90s music. Yeah, it's just like... It's generic, grown in a lab. Yeah, generic beat, generic vocals, generic composition, and weirdly that leaves you feeling empty. Um... I'm going to maybe ruin your life, dude. Why so? Well, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Because those label guys were kind of the Beastie Boys. Let me clear my throat! Bummer. Well, they can't all be zingers. Were these these fuckers on Grand Royal? Yeah. 
Huh. What? These guys uh, huh. had major, major links to the Beastie Boys. Their first live performance was for the Beastie Boys in Cypress Hill what in New fuck? York. Uh, Beastie Boys personally asked Luscious Jackson to be on their Grand Royal uh, label. I trusted you, Beastie Boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they even, they you, even got you inhabited with their band my for fucking. A while. Right, okay, well, that like, doesn't change my love of the Beastie Boys music. Cool. Huh. Like, oh, good. <laughs> I, I hate the way that in Intergalactic they they asked Luscious Jackson to be on their label. Oh, it just really ruins the song oh. for me. <laughs> No, yeah, like this is like just a breakdown in the middle. It's like you speak around, I'll make you put it your way. No one's beyond what you can do. Maybe speak on the soul first. Uh, so yeah, uh, can, just a side note, uh, Lotus Jackson, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> we'd like to offer you a contract. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's just like there's nothing at all remarkable about it. It's so like, it's like it's the '90s. It's almost like you know, like in in BoJack Horseman. <laughs> This is a song from the 80s The decade which it currently is Because it's kind of doing the thing that we've seen so many songs do before Where it's kind of like, cool, here's a new subgenre of music And then it goes along And here's a few more examples of that Here's some mild experimentation within that And now here's the pop version The packaged pop version of kind of trip-hop Slash beat-driven alternative music Boom, yeah. boom. Here we are, Luscious yeah. Jackson, who incidentally got their name as Lucius Jackson. Lu- Lucius Jackson was a baseballer. Oh. That's better than Ash. Was he in basketball? Basket- uh, he played the sport. He, he played b-ball. It was not <laughs> he played one of the b-balls. He, he, he was part of the jam. He, he welcomed you to some the b-ball slam. outside yeah. the school. Yeah. He was ba- it was basketball. Yeah, against the um the twin squad. What? No, no, he, he wasn't in Space Jam. Stars. No, he wasn't. No, you can't just you can't just say that. <laughs> you ain't Charles something, Barkley. Some things are sacred, Adam. <laughs> All right, okay. Be gone, wannabe. Be gone. <laughs> Go home. I like the chorus a lot more than the verses. I yeah, think I the chorus is where all those lab-grown elements are clicking a bit better. The the kind of muted beat is really nice, and the layered vocals on top of it. The spoken word just doesn't work. I yeah. I think it's a it's bit. It's fucking nothing. Yeah, this whole song bit. is fucking nothing. Nah. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more than nothing. I'd go in for it quite a bit. I think the vibe is really cool. It's laid back. All the talk about nakedness is kind of like a free-spirited kind of thing. It could have been like a really playing it seductive and sleazy in a way, and it kind of doesn't. So I give it mm. props for some, for like skirting around that kind of classily. But then um, it, it could have set the controls of the heart of the pelvis. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's beautiful when it gets sleazy. I think the beats are nice. I think it's well produced. I think, yeah, vocals are sweet. I think it's a pretty tidy alternative pop song, yeah. which, you know, which you've identified as kind of, it's a manufactured one. But I'm kind of this season being the guy who doesn't mind that, given that I was pretty big on Republica in episode one. <laughs> um, so maybe I'm the target market. The only uh, other famous Grand Royal uh, signing that I can think of uh, is uh, my childhood hero, Ben Lee. Oh, oh so Grand yeah. Royal. Huh. Yeah, he was signed to Grand Royal for Whoa. his first two albums. Yeah, when he was like super, super young. Yeah. You know um, something else that Grand Royal is known for? They uh, had a magazine and they published an article called Mulling Over the Mullet, which uh, was a big lampoon and anti-mullet as you know, the hairstyle. Content, and, uh, not the fish. No, no, no. They were, they were, <laughs> good reminder not, that... Not the Ben Mendelsohn movie filmed in Jerrington. <laughs> Good reminder that content has always been bad. The internet <laughs> yeah. just makes more of it. Well, like, well, I mean, are you standing up for the mullet? No, oh, well. but just that that's bad. Like, <laughs> you're standing up for articles not mullet. being about yeah. hairstyles. Yeah. I love yeah. a good mullet. Young fucking Eddie Guerrero, Billy Ray Cyrus, some beautiful fucking mullets out there. Well, the Beastie Boys apparently, or 
that people are vaguely associated with. <laughs> yeah, label. Yeah. I, don't some, know, I don't think they don't some underpaid me. copywriter. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. At number eighty-one. This is the Super Jesus. Shut my eyes. In the 1996 song Shut My Eyes Adelaide represent Ladies and gentlemen We have the Super Jesus In our lives Nice Good to have him here Yeah Mm. yeah yeah Debut EP Like what a strong statement Yeah yeah Big time Big time This was released before their EP Even I think Like this was um, I think this might have been Like their very first single Yeah 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 When she was starting out and doing that real husky Courtney Love kind of deal, like she could my friend with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Macca, Sarah McLeod, fucking hell yeah. There's a reason why she became like the iconic Australian, and I hate the term, but rock chick. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like her and like Adelita. I think this is really cool to have, you know, like one of those kind of 8.30 at the Annandale pub rock bands kind of kicking on, but, you know, with a bit more of a twist to it, you know, with that feminine edge to it with that attitude and you know that sound you know i like the guitar tone i like the drum sound on this maybe history hasn't been as kind to the super jesus as 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 i as i'd hoped they yeah. were inducted just, into the shame. south australian music hall of fame well of course they were <laughs> that's <laughs> mean be. dimension man <laughs> they are they are as uniquely adelaide as hilltop the, hoods as the flower clock yeah <laughs> Or the churches, or fucking run the balls in Rundle Mall, <laughs> or the crazy horse. Hey, I'm Sarah McLeod. Let me back into the crazy horse. Says Shannon Noel, dressed as Sarah McLeod. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> He's like, oh, who, who, who would people respect in Adelaide? <laughs> yes, the singer of the Super Jesus. Let him back in. Yeah. This, is, back in. this yeah. is hashtag let him back in. That, that's that's the push for this season. <laughs> hashtag let him back in. Let them stay. This is such a good song, though. I, yeah. I think, like, yeah. I love. I, I don't want to say how edgy her voice is, but the the like the edge to her voice, it has like it has a gravitas to it without being too edgy and yeah. too. Like, it doesn't come off as being... I think a lot of acts around this era are listening to Courtney Love and then trying to emulate that, and it just comes off as grunge character voice, mm. and it's really bad. And she's not doing that here, but she's still getting a roughness that is really, really engaging. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. awesome. The guitar is so good. that like mm. The wall of sound moments are so well-constructed, and then the, the softer moments are so the lush. The drop is real. It's- and the slide... Gorgeous. It's really, really mm. masterful guitar production work here, I yeah. think. Like, they, they crafted this, the tones in this song so well. It's just a great song. And, like, what an amazing, strong debut. Oh, totally. From from a band like this. It's just, it's such a statement. I find, like, when I start wanting to describe things that I like, I often talk about, like, tensions between two opposite sides. Like, I say, oh, it's this, but it's this. And I think with Sarah, with Sarah McLeod, like, I honestly think there's, there's such a... At the same time, she's she's youthful but wise, and she's 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 clean, but she does have that kind of like. Well, she's affected... got one hand in her pocket. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, like vicious and calm is another kind of thing I get from it. It's like there's I'm calm, but I'm vicious. There's such a tension, but I'm sober. It's and it's Baby! also I love her superhero origin story. Um, basically, like she was in she was in uni, and music was something that she kind of did a little bit. And then uh, the story goes that she went over to Bali for three months, hooked up with some bands over there, and performed live for the first time. And it was just like moment of oh okay cool this is all I want to do for the rest nice. of my life. Mm, nice. And then she yeah. just she the, just the, the classic middle class Australian success <laughs> yeah, yeah, story. You go to Bali to find yourself. Bintang singlets or something. <laughs> yeah. She nailed it. Uh, she yeah but like I just love that because you know not someone who's been aspiring to be a musician kind of her whole life but someone who had had one hand in the hobby <laughs> and the other one just doing whatever. <laughs> and then you know she just went over there performed every night got heaps into it. It's super great to welcome an iconic Australian band into the countdown. Like, I always love doing yeah, it for the yeah. first time. I really believe that Super Jesus uh, have earned their places as kind of being that. Also, a quick thing I discovered in relation to their name, they changed it. They were previously called Hell's Kitchen, and they changed it on the eve of their appearance at the Big Day Out, which I'd say is a bad move. I think I'm it's a say, great move. <laughs> you want to get people coming to your set, you don't want to be, like, changing your name before you go up. But they did. But surely the programs would have been printed by then. Yeah, exactly. They'd be correcting people. Yeah, well, they'd yeah. just be like, oh, hi, guys, guess what? We're not anymore. I'm actually Nick Murphy now, if you could stop calling <laughs> me. Chat you could yeah, stop they were call actually it. the it's... first band to change their name to Nick Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> their name itself, the Super Jesus, was apparently just a piss take of all the bands that used Jesus in their name at the time, such as the Jesus is Marion Ta- uh, Chain, Jesus Built My Hot Rod, the Jesus Lizard, and Jesus Jones. Hmm. And they were just kind of like, well, we're the Super Jesus, so we're better than all of them. Yeah, yeah baby. Just, nice. I love that. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Andrew, they supported Bush. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, this, uh, you want to know like, the la- actually to connect in with more hottest one hundred alum? You want to know one of the last major tours they did? They fucking did a co-headliner with the Tea Party. Oh, good. All <laughs> oh, right, that makes sense. Yeah, right. right. Adds up. That's something yeah. that I didn't know was that a member of the Super Jesus, uh, Tim Henwood, 
also went on to be part of not only the androids of Do It With Madonna fame. Hottest 100 alum. Yeah. Yeah. But also the Rogue Traders, who, (laughs) weirdly enough, we've mentioned (laughs) in this countdown, even though we probably shouldn't have. Starring, <laughs> starring Neighbours alum, Bassing Thistlethwaite. <laughs> oh boy, good thing we're not talking about conspiracies this season. Baby, yeah, no, baby, baby. No, it's not. Nothing's connected. It's all yeah. coincidence. It's a conspiracy. Conspiracy. <laughs> I th- like, this song, I think, is a, it's a great kickoff point for them. But I, I also know that there are better Super Jesus songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. So in yeah. going back and hearing this now, I was left wanting, but only because I know what they do later but it's still a damn great song and i'm super stoked to have them in a countdown because mm-hmm. they're just a cool as fuck band yeah yeah that's basically that's my strongest like yeah. reaction to it as well it's like sick super jesus yeah exactly yeah. i'm glad i'm listening to this and i'm glad i'm talking about yeah. this and i have such clear memories of being 10 or whatever like in the late 90s and knowing of them yeah. seeing clips of them and just thinking they were a cool band mm. that like fully man that older kids would be into that like you know they were really cool rock and the name Super Jesus is kind of like, oh, what a cool band, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a kid, I like. When you're a kid, you're like, my band names are, I like, I call it the Wheels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I have I have a lot of memory attached to to thinking up to them yeah. as a band when I first would start, you know, seeing Rage or video hits and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I'm thinking and I'm hoping and I'm praying that we get to talk about the Super Jesus again. Surely. We Surely. Do. We, we do. We do? Yeah. Sick. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites. We're going to start with Nathan Harrison. I feel like I might not be alone in this, but I'm going to pick Good Morning for Boom. Fave. Yeah. And anyone, Nathan- anyone not pick that? I mean, I was, it was close with Super Jesus. They yeah, come very see, close second. I'm, I'm second-guessing that, myself now. Fine. I'm so yeah, I don't know. No, it's, okay, no, it's Good Morning. It's Good, good morning. morning. You're just thinking about Gravity. And, I, yeah. uh, and least fave will have to go to Naked Eye. Yep. Yeah, all right. Same. Done. It is decided. Consensus. It's a conspiracy, baby. No, nope. it's, it's democracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Chinese democracy. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to wait fucking 20 years for it. <laughs> well, this countdown was 20 years ago, so. <laughs> yeah, well, well, actually. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for supporting and checking out the podcast. Very, very much appreciated. Uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Hottest100. We're also on Facebook. And uh, if you have anything uh, more in-depth, uh, something long, if you've got an essay, you got something to say, then just do it in an email, hottest100s10,000s at gmail.com. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Adam Buncher. Yo. And Andrew McDonald. Adios. My name's David Jane Chum. Keep music evil. Bye. Bye. Uh, yes, thank you. We are Meteor the Musical. Once again, big thank you to Pain of Salvation for having us. Do any of you know an album called Purple Moon Vintage? Lead guitar, Andrew McDonald. <laughs>